Well, swords are gay, swords are gay, swords are gay, swords are gay, swords are gay. It's homo superior, crossing swords, clang, steel noise, clang. Uh, that's some good that's some good sound effects that is some good sound editing and sound mixing uh this is issue 161 we are doing chapters 9 and 10 of of uh 10 of swords i'm kaylin i'm clark i'm ryan i'm adam and i'm brett wingate and we are very very thrilled to have our very special guest brett mans from comic book queers legacy hi brett, oh my god it, <laughs> The floor is yours, Brett. Introduce yourself. Uh, thank you so much. Um, name's Brett Manis. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm one of the co-hosts on Comic Book Queers uh, Legacy. Um, I'm a little starstruck because Brent, I never, I've never seen you sing the theme song. So oh. That was that was a moment. That was a well, milestone. See, I'm starstruck because you're the winner of our Mutant Madness bracket, right? Oh, oh, what did oh, I yeah. What did I do with my Amazon money? I don't remember, but I, oh, I think I got a weighted blanket with it, which has uh, kind of helped my insomnia. What is a weighted blanket? It's a blanket that weighs 20 pounds. Oh, <laughs> I, I have a question. Did you take that also blanket- Also known as a brick. Tad, uh, did you take that blanket, make it in tatters and turn it into your sinister cape? Because that's the only way that that gift is acceptable. Plumage, you Philistine. It's a heavy <laughs> Plumage, Ta- tassels for days and plumage. Well, it's great well, to be uh, here. I'm very excited. I'm thankful that you guys are doing this. Well, Brett, let me apologize for mispronouncing your last name. Um, that is, there's no excuse for that, but we're gonna get started. So Ryan is going to recap the last few weeks of Ten of Swords. Absolutely, thank you, Kaylin. Previously on Acts of Swords, 10 champions of Krakoa were selected to compete in a cross-dimensional tournament against 10 champions of Arako. The first five people to claim their swords and spots were Magic, Wolverine, Storm, Cable, and good friend slash roommates, Doug's Warlock. (laughs) Meanwhile, Apocalypse is still recovering from the brutal battle with his horseman children, his horse children. I was impressed you didn't read that as horse man child. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Kalen, do you want to take us through this week's issues? Sure. So we had two chapters, chapters nine and 10. Excalibur number 13 was chapter nine. It's by Teeny Howard, who's the regular writer, and R.B. Silva doing career best work. If you remember, he was the artist for Powers of 10. And then chapter 10 was X-Men number 13 with regular writer Jonathan Hickman and artist Mahumad Asrar, who was the artist for X-Men Red, uh, the Jean Grey-led team written by Tom Taylor. So quick recap. The Braddocks, they have a reunion at the Starlight Citadel. Saturnine does her best Emma Frost impression. The, uh, the new Captain Britain Corps, hey, remember them? Try to kill Jamie Braddock, but he does all a favor by killing the Oi British Jubilee. Uh, <laughs> Brian, Braddock, <laughs> Brian Braddock becomes Captain Avalon. Saturnine then does her best Lady in the Lake impression and pulls out the Starlight Sword. Betsy and Brian are the sixth and seventh sword wheelers, respectively. Uh, the, for, uh, the former has the uh, aforementioned Starlight Sword and the latter has the Cursed Sword of Might. Meanwhile, uh, on Krakoa, Apocalypse is recovering from his wounds. Hope augments healer's powers to help the recovery go just a a little bit quicker, but that leads to uh, Apocalypse having some pain fits and he has a flashback back to Okara, where his forces were initially successful against uh, the demons of Amenth, uh, but uh, during a parlay, those demons brought the Mask of Annihilation. 
uh, in a very creepy scene, the demon puts on the mask, the mask starts speaking, and uh, Annihilation then has an offer for the mutants. Genesis, Apocalypse's wife, accepts that offer. She and her children are going to stay behind in Morocco and uh, steal the gate, while Apocalypse goes back to Krakoa to forge the strongest possible mutants for the upcoming fight. Hello, motivation. A recovered Apocalypse heads to Egypt to get Scarab, his sharp blade, and now we have our eighth and potentially ninth sword wielder. Adam, I'll turn it over to you to start our discussion. Thanks. Uh, so, Brett, you're a first-time caller, long-time listener. Uh, Very true. <laughs> what have you been enjoying most about X of Swords so far? Well, I love the assumption that I'm enjoying it. <laughs> uh, because I am immensely, actually. It's fantastic. I, I remember in the outfit. I remember in the outfit, all you wanted was Mortal Kombat. And I was like, we got, we're getting it. And it, yeah. Know. And the, the fact of like, what are we getting actually plays a lot into why I'm so enthused about this. I always look at these long stories in a three act structure. Like what's the purpose of act one is the purpose of act two and what's the purpose of act three. Uh, and it's pretty clear that act one is gonna be these great stories of heroism uh, you know, these these small tales of overcoming stuff to get your sword. And then we've got the battles of act two and you know, that's you know gonna have a lot of emotion. And then it's the mystery around act three that I'm, I think I'm the most excited about. And maybe I'm hyping this up too much, but uh, I just think there's gonna be a tilt. There's gonna be a twist. And I don't know what that yeah. is. Uh, was there a particular part of the, not really the issues this week, but any of the previous weeks, cause this is the first time you've been on during the crossover, was there anything that really popped out of you like, holy shit, this was like a phenomenal moment? Uh, I think the entire issue of New Mutants, um, mm -hmm. Ed Brisson's last issue, I, I haven't been, yeah, New Mutants has been lukewarm for me, particularly when Brisson took over. Uh, but I thought the grounded relationship issue between Warlock, Ileana, and Douglas was a big highlight. Kalen? Uh, I actually have a question for Brett, uh, kind of um, riffing off what you mentioned, the three-act structure. You know, I sort of think of the Tolkien, like uh, our Brent has mentioned that before, like, you know, Fellowship, uh, the Twin Tower, or excuse me, the Two Towers, uh, and uh, Return oh, of the King. Jesus, <laughs> um, you. Uh, yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> but uh, I know I'm so un-American. Um, but you, you mentioned that you think there's gonna be a major twist in the third act. And I'm really curious what you think that could be. I think Moira's shit's gonna get fucked up somehow. Mm -hmm. I think we're headed to yeah. Moiraville in act three. I really do. Uh, here we are thinking this is about sword fights. And I think this is gonna push the Moira story forward somehow. I, I really think that Moira is just gonna grab the fucking Twilight Sword out of who the fuck knows where and just slice some people up to death. I can't wait. Well, you think that's why the Cerebro Sword's kind of still out of play? Every, no, like everyone keeps <laughs> saying, what the fuck is going on? And what was the purpose yeah. of breaking that helmet? It's gotta be that X factor, if you will, um, but. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Okay, let's let's dive into some general questions. First question, weighing over 680,000 pounds and imbued with external sadness, why is the scarab sword just me during quarantine? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I really thought that question was gonna go a different way. 
it's uh it's re- it's really sad to break open four carafts of Trader Joe's to form you into a one person honestly um it's a lot of pepperonis but it looks good at the end I like it. I was gonna say you that sort of sharp enough to to slice a bunch of pepperonis so thank you for that but like what the fuck was up with that sword six hundred and eighty thousand pounds no that's not what it is what it, is it it's 680,000 grams. How much is that? <laughs> you fucking jackass. That's still a lot. I don't know That's metric so systems, hard. but I know it weighs a lot. Oh, okay. Let's find the equation for gram to pound. Uh, while that's happening. It's, it's, it's 1,500 pounds. That's so fucking okay. heavy. That's a ton. It's like nothing. <laughs> Do some upper body right. work, Adam. What's up? I don't think that math is right. That would translate to four grams a pound, roughly. All right, that's neither here nor there. I was like, this is is the content that our listeners come on for. Well, shit. Measurements. Well, fuck me. He's right. Shut my mouth. He's right. He's right. He's right. 1,500? Wait, 1,500 or 15,000? 1,500. Okay. That works. And the the point is, is Adam, stop eating so much. You know what's actually funny to me? is that I think that the way that they got it is that they wanted it to be 1,500 pounds. And they're like, what is that in grams? Let's make it more complicated. Totally reversed it, yeah. <laughs> they were Wait, so, so Krakoa uses the metric system. Yeah, right. Just like everyone yeah. else. I was saying they were being more <laughs> inclusive. They were being globally inclusive and leaving out Americans, so. Yeah, I but agree. they drive in the middle of the road, which is the one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, on a more serious note, what did you all think overall about the books this week? Uh, Brett, would love to hear your opinion first. Thank you. Uh, what an honor. I loved <laughs> them. I thought they were fantastic. I've been waiting for a Braddock Twins, Braddock Triplets romp. Oh, they're not triplets. Braddock Siblings romp. Uh, got that. Um, the Excalibur reframing. I'm sorry. Apocalypse reframing. Incredible. Uh, oh, to oh. give him that, that repositioning. Uh, so I thought they were great. Uh, very exciting. As an X-Men fan, things moved forward, uh, both spiritually and emotionally for me. <laughs> uh, Brent? I think for me, probably the one of the longer running weak links of the this larger storyline has been Excalibur. Just really, it's it's been a little confusing. It hasn't been my favorite. I think that even in this issue, this is probably one of the better ones that have been produced it's still got a few problems like Betsy's emotional response to her brother seems out of place, mostly because of how chaotic the other issues have been. Um, And the piece that I do like from it though, is that I think it's given us a little bit more insight into Saturnine's motivations and how obsessed she is with the Captain Britain Corps, which seems still kind of left field because I know this is Senator a lot around the other world universe, but it's an odd motivation uh, to start introducing at this point. Uh, if you, you know, cause most villains are like global domination and she's like, I want this one big dick British guy. Oh God. She's <laughs> so horny. She I is so horny. Left me in twain. <laughs> um, Oh, uh, shoot. Uh, Marvel put out one of those true believers, $1 one shot things um, dealing with people's first appearances. And I read Saturnines recently and she was just as thirsty for him then as she is now. She's had like 30 some years or 40 years now wow. of wanting to fuck him. 
So it was perfectly in character, and I actually really enjoyed it. Um, she hasn't changed that much in 40 years, which I'm very pleased with. Um, we've talked about it many times. This was, for me, the weakest, uh, weakest week of this entire um, series, this miniseries so far. I just found it kind of, I don't know. It, the, every Braddock conversation seemed both out of place, especially in terms of just functionality, but also in terms of how they were kind of tricking Saturnine just seemed too bombastically stupid at the same time that, you know, they were obviously trying to trick her, but it just seemed odd and kind of dumb. And I liked Apocalypse's backstory and everything, but it, the whole thing seemed too dry. And I feel like I could have kind of gleaned it from previous issues. Kaylin. Um, yeah, I, I don't disagree with what you said, Clark. With that said, I think it was the best issue of Excalibur that's happened oh, thus far. hundred percent. And it's because of the very narrow cast of the Braddocks and, and Saturnine, and then like uh, finally a reason for the Captain Britain Corps to exist, the new Captain Britain Corps. Plus the art, as I said before in description, I mean, R.B. Silva fucking just destroyed me. Like he was so yeah. good. Um, uh, so I enjoyed that. And then for Apocalypse really quickly, um, I finally like Apocalypse now. I like, I know that's like a heresy as an X fan, like you're supposed to love him because he's the biggest bad villain. But he's been so one-dimensional, even during like the seminal Age of Apocalypse storyline, where he's like just like more of a force of nature than an actual character. And now we're finally given a motivation of why he was doing his survival of the fittest, you know, Charles Darwin-esque uh, work all these years in the X book. So like I really, really, really enjoyed that. But I also felt very much like X-Men number 12, the prelude chapter was just had a, way too much content this was a little bit better but it still felt like it had way too much content ryan mm -hmm. yeah completely agree uh this was this uh this issue of excalibur first and foremost it's called excalibur excalibur is not in it it's called x of swords we can all move on this makes no fucking sense <laughs> but with that said uh i think it was completely her story like all the braddock siblings were just a side story um, Jamie Braddock uh, was hilarious and I don't know what he's talking about ever that thing about like needing an extra morning sniff of my brother's pillow I was like what the fuck are you talking I, I loved every second of it but I, I, I had no idea where it was going um, I, I, I this is the best of the bunch the dialogue was better the plotting was eh, somewhat better but still this is the worst series and I'll fight someone about it I think all of us have group think that into existence for us. <laughs> Not me. Yeah, Brett's got. Oh, no, no, I mean, I don't care With about that. that. I'm in Homo Superior. Brett's got opinions, and I want to hear. Yeah, Brett. I don't want to turn this into no Excalibur is good. Um, you've had that conversation plenty of times. <laughs> I, I think um, what I want to throw out is the Captain Britain Corps um, thing. I th yes, right. All of a sudden, wow, that was in bold type. Uh, where where'd that kind of come from? And I actually, I don't know if you, um, I was uh, boasting about it online, so I don't know if you saw, but I've got a big theory. You were in around. the Captain Britain Corps. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, that's right, Governor. I have a theory about the Captain Britain Corps. So I also have a theory that the shit's gonna end in a tie. So, which yeah. means like five X-Men are gonna lose, which yeah. may or may not happen. Um, but I do think that, so my prediction is that uh, Betsy is gonna eat it. And, um, cause she's taking on Iska. So, you know, 
yeah. she's gonna die and so she's gonna be reborn as that infinite uh combination of herself mm -hmm. right? yeah I've always thought Saturnine was gonna pull some mumbo jumbo around the whole other world dying thing. So my theory, the connections I'm making is Psylocke dies, she's now the infinite versions of herself combined as one. Saturnine fragments that and there's the Captain Britain core. That's where I think uh, this is going. Oh, that's smart. That's a and good theory. That's a good I, idea, yeah. Them all of a sudden bringing up the Captain Britain core validated my theory i was like yeah we're I had absolutely going here it was like very similar i was saying the same thing <laughs> yeah wow brent that's oh i think theory. everyone was right yeah uh, there was i was the fragments everything i was <laughs> <laughs> what what Great if lines. one of the i just hope one of the fragments come back uh, comes back as like saturnine's best friend like they are the best tight at like they are, they love each other because Saturnine would fucking hate that. Saturnine's gonna lose her job and be replaced by Monet. Oh. That's my other prediction. Oh, yeah, you yeah. heard it here first. Yeah. Awesome. yeah, you know that amulet is going to whatever Betsy's new name is after this crossover. Yeah, we I think we talked with that with Chandler about that. I feel like, or maybe it was uh, Dylan on, on previous one. It's like it's I love. We're all we've got a lot of group mind. Maybe not on Excalibur, but certainly on where this crossover is going. And if they don't do it. Well, fuck them. We got nothing else. I have a question about this issue. Were you guys excited as much as I was to see Jubilee die? Yeah, I was gonna say. I yes. was happy. Yes. That was the best. The sound yeah. effect. Wait. The next time Chandler Wait. joins us, he is going to kill us because he loves Jubilee. He so well, but it was like a. It was just a British version, so it doesn't really There's matter as much. Two issue, unnecessarily boring version. Also, why didn't why didn't she explode like that one uh, fireworks factory? Like you know that one. The one in like Turkey. Oh, yeah. No. Or oh, she went no. off. It was she Lebanon. Was, like, Lebanon. That, that San Diego uh, 2014 awful. fireworks show where they all went off at the same time. <laughs> it was <laughs> the shortest, horrible, the greatest horrible, one ever. Um, metaphor. Yeah, I was like, that's a the, a regular fireworks factory is far better than the one. Jesus, it wasn't a fireworks factory. Oh, okay. oh god uh well on a more positive note we know why saturnine's so horny for brian but why does she hate betsy so much is it just because she wants to fuck brian there's probably some 40 year old back issue stuff that i don't know <laughs> kaylon it's it's right there in the text she just doesn't believe betsy should be captain britain that's the only reason why like brian should be captain britain oh that's right. like because Betsy was already Captain Britain and failed. Uh, yeah. I have a question about the whole, you know, because the Captain Britain. Captain. Uh, Captain. Captain, Captain Britain. How, how you become Captain Britain. And, you know, Saturnine made this whole big deal about like people who do it by the right process and everyone else is like a heretic. So they have it as a part of the lore that you either take the amulet of right or the sword of might and you fail the test if you take the sword of might, but it's a part of lore. So why wouldn't you always just pick the amulet of right? <laughs> because you are you are like Brian and you feel bad about yourself for a little bit and then well, you really- A lot of them don't know each other. There was a stupid bitch named Kelsey who cares um, who was Lionheart, who took the Sword of Might, oh. and she could not she could not see her fucking two kids oh. ever because she took the wrong thing. Yeah. 
she was, was in Avengers. It was awful. Yeah, it really? was she couldn't see her shit. kids? No, that was part of the issue was that she like could not see her children. I don't know how or why. She were, were they just like... No, she was just magically unable to for some reason. Yeah, they like disappeared from her view. Not like they I don't fucking know. I that don't sounds know. like a dream, actually. That's what happened. <laughs> she showed back up again. Parent. She showed back up again in that terrible new Excalibur abortion that we had to deal with. Mm. Yeah, with Dazzler with her pink hair. Mm. Yeah. And I think she finally could see her children again for some reason. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, they don't. They don't know that stupid lore. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> they always pick the sword. Yeah, dumb bitch. Uh, flipping over to uh, X Men, uh, what did you uh, kind of? I think we heard a little bit about everybody's thought on the overall issue, but how did you feel about the actual backstory for Okara? Just getting more into the um, Am- Amneth uh, Ryan. <laughs> um, uh, Hickman has this way of plotting a comic which. I do like, but I also have no idea what's going on at all times. Where it's just like fragments are just always like sort of there. Suddenly he's getting healed and then he just says Okara. Like it's it's just little bits and pieces that we that are so confusing to like for so I I, I was reading some of the back issues of X-Men and it made me really think like, hey, this is just like plot-driven comics. It's not so much like there's not much characterization. It's just getting what? us to the. I used to love. I used to love X Men, but I, I, I don't think I'm loving it in the way that I used to before. Uh, do you mean that? Do you, the mean old, do you mean the old issues are like plot, or the old issues were good and this is plot? Uh, kind of the whole run. When I'm thinking about it now, uh, what uh, whole run? That's what it's all thirteen issues. Okay. is what I mean. Yeah, but like. It, it just seems like it's getting to the next place because we're, uh, I don't know. I, I I wasn't a huge fan of this one, uh, except for a couple like brief moments. In I there. think we're getting great characterization out of it. It is definitely plot based, but we're getting characterization out of the plot. It's not characters creating the plot, it's vice versa, but we are getting some good characterization. Even the, the mystique of- and destiny issue was so good. The uh, when they go to Davos, that was a ton of characterization. There's one ops, but it's very clear this is the intention of this rather than character moments. It's and a series for of, me, of one ops, yeah. Yeah, for for me personally, I would want a longer story of all the same cast. That's just me okay. personally. Okay. Brett, what do you think? Well, about the Okara backstory, like I don't know if you guys have heard, but once Krakoa was an island called Akaro, and then the enemy came and tore the island asunder with its twilight sword. And then the enemies came through. Like, we have seen that nine goddamn times. For real, for real. Like, nine times. I Like, when we rehash that, I'm like, I'm saying it with them. I'm like, we know, we fucking know. Um, Yet it still manages to be confusing a little bit, which is crazy to me. Also, tell us who who, who tells loves us? the series dark to the point where they say everything 4,000 times. And yeah. so we yeah. don't care as much about that as, as other people might. Jonas. Ryan. Jonas. Um, uh, yeah, it's just, it, I, I'm not a fan. Sorry, sorry, Caitlin, what were you going to say? No, I was going to say, I actually kind of agree with you about this specific issue, Ryan, because I felt while I enjoyed like the motivation given to Apocalypse, this issue very much felt like it was treading water till we get to stasis, which will be next week. Um, like I have generally been pleasantly surprised uh, by how um, 
meaty and not decompressed this crossover has been thus far, even though there's 22 chapters. This is the first chapter I was like, okay, we've kind of already seen this and now we're just seeing it like from a slightly different angle and we're getting a little more backstory. I didn't think it needed to be a full issue. Brent? I am, it's, it's just a pet peeve, but the fact that they keep, the, the fact that all the things are named just anagrams of the other things, <laughs> like Okara, Krakoa, Arako. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait for the islands. Akakro, Aka, Croak. I like that one. Give me that one. Croak. I just think it's stupid and lazy, and honestly, it makes it more confusing than it needs to be. Hey, is Toad on Croak? Sure. Anyway, <laughs> um, I there are three. <laughs> yeah, three I think there's three. I do think that the, I, I would certainly, I think, agree to all the general opinion shared about both issues. I thought Excalibur was super strong because it was actually the first time that it felt like it was trying to be very character focused. So I, I really did, I can appreciate Brent what you said about the varying degrees to which Betsy seemed upset. And I 100% agree that it was due to the, I think, overall kind of, volatile characterization of many of the characters in the overall 13 issue run. I thought this issue generally did well. Like I, this is the first time that I really cared about Betsy and Brian's relationship. And I thought some of their back, it felt a little bit like, uh, I'm, I'm only afraid, I love the show, but it, like, it felt very Avatar The Last Airbender where it's like, these were like uh, Y7 rating kind of like, I'm mad because of this. Well, I'm angry because of that. Like it was just a little bit, it, not as mature as I wanted it to be, but it was certainly the most that I felt emotionally connected to it. And I finally understood a lot of the plights for many of the characters, uh, particularly the the uh, Braddock siblings. And then for X-Men, I really did like the additional information that this flashback provided, but it was very frustrating that they only had probably 12 pages of actual useful content. And then the rest of it was filler. Even like, the multiple pages just to get to healer powering up and healing apocalypse. It it was just, it's a, it's a mid season carryover episode. And I think that's generally okay. Like I still thought it was, it had enough nuggets that I walked away from it feeling good. Like I wasn't like, Oh, now I'm bored. And I, I but it, it does. And I think Kaylin, you mentioned this just in our ongoing discussions during the week that stasis is obviously going to be a turning point um, for the plot. Cause we're kind of getting to the max number of swords on the good guy's side. Um, it's so, also the halfway point. Exactly, series. yeah. So I, I'm not going to fault it too much, but I, in general, I loved a little bit more of a um, both Annihilation as well as Genesis. I loved them giving uh, the an Uncle Ben line to, or yeah, Uncle Ben to like Genesis, where it's like, remember, only the fittest survive. And then he's like, great, for 6,000 <laughs> years, that's all I'm going to focus on. No, was um, it, Did Uncle Ben say that to Pete? <laughs> no, wasn't, mm -hmm. the, wasn't the line though like judge them? Which is like th this mm -hmm. is what we're doing right now. Yeah, it's like. Uh, well, sorry, go ahead, uh, uh, Brent. I think uh, what what is uh, I couldn't find it. Apocalypse's wife's name, Genesis. 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 I think that probably a better vehicle for this kind of backstory about this kind of deal, or not deal, but like this fight that they've had with the uh, people of Amenth um, would have been maybe better served if there was actually something romantic between them. That if you had some 
some character development for her rather than her just being like this powerful woman who says very short kind of uh, uh, action movie type lines. If there was something about them coming to this table and um, you know her kind of dominating, I think you would have been able to see why he's got so much love for her and it would have felt a little bit richer. Instead, it seemed like it was much more a vehicle to show us this annihilation mask. The, I was going to say that, I think you're exactly right, Brent. The entire issue, if they had shaved off front and back end, the entire issue could have been an entire time displaced issue where we actually saw them living through these things. And instead, and I, I think this is like a, maybe a Hickman, like overall technique. Cause like, I, I remember in Infinity, I felt a lot of the same way for some of this backstory stuff in that, I really wish they they would just we would just go to that time period. Hearing somebody recount what's happening and narrate what's happening, it loses so much of that emotional connection. I think you're a hundred percent right that if we got to see them living, then it would have felt so much more real and really connected in. Brett, that is so insightful, Brent. I like didn't realize that was the thing I was missing. I just have this kind of empty feeling. Not once do you see the kids say "I love you" to Apocalypse. Like not once. <laughs> do you see any love between these families? It's just, hello kids, I'm here, tears in my eyes. We hate you, die. They're modeled after the Trumps. Right, right. Like, hello, hello my wife, I'm, I'm, let's make a sacrifice together. She's like, great, you're a pussy. Like, it's so, okay. What is he hooked on? Yeah. Uh, Clark. Um, this is going back in time, but who is doing the narration in Excalibur? She, at some point, they said, the very last line is like, and she didn't know she was going to lose, or something to the fact that she was going to lose more than she thought, or whatever the fuck it was. Like, who's who's narrating I think it's, yeah. I think I it's an know. omniscient, I think it's an omniscient narrator. It's just some, I, it's it's Hickman doing it. May, maybe I mean, it's the person wielding the Twilight Sword, the mysterious villain that we have no idea who it is. Because Apocalypse can remember all that shit, but he can't give us a fucking face in his flashback. Which is <laughs> he uh, okay? Apocalypse was a little bit just like a crazy boomer. This whole issue, though, right? Because he was he was just saying he was recounting something that everyone's like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> and then when he went to the pyramids, he was like, "I've been to this place and I fucking destroyed us," and it was just yelling about stuff. I made this pyramid. You'll never know anything about this pyramid. I was born, like, it was just, he was ranting the whole time. That one scene where he was ranting about apps, you know, what? Oh, yeah. Are they a thing you order at a restaurant? I don't know. Yeah. It, it's very, it's very um, untucked RuPaul. Like, I could see Apocalypse talking to Gorgon and just being like, you'll never have a pyramid because you know you what? You're not that kind of demon god. You're not that kind of <laughs> god. Um, uh, yeah, and also what was their conversation on the plane right there? What the fuck are Gorgon and Apocalypse talking about? Is Apocalypse- Literally nothing. Literally I nothing. Had I think he's today, ranting about his kids, honestly, personally. I had they to, won't to even help my me. aunt for three hours learn how to text today. It was a whole ordeal. And once again, as a boomer, she was talking about every single thing in the past. She was talking about <laughs> her style of teaching is similar to my style of teaching texting. It was an exhausting but interesting experience, but also <laughs> stupid as hell. Jalen? <laughs> no, I think it was Brett who wanted to say something. Brent. Or not, all right. <laughs> Nobody wants to say shit. I did uh, not have my hand raised. 
<laughs> uh, I have a question. Who is definitely going to steal Annihilation's mask at the end of the crossover and why? Mm. Mystique. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Kaylin and Mystique. I were right. I, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping for Destiny. It's already, she already looks <gasps> good in a, in a gold mask and mm -hmm. she can no, fuck it, some shit up. No, Mystique steals it and gives it to Destiny. And that's what happens because Destiny isn't alive I, yet. Remember I didn't that. tell you the whole plot, but that's exactly the plot, <laughs> Kaylin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so is it like, it, the the mask itself it was a really cool scene kaylin you referenced during the recap i i loved it i had to like flip back and forth a couple times to be like what the fuck happened so it is it's basically like an elder god of sorts but it you put it on and you get possessed by this thing essentially mm -hmm. but i've definitely like, seen it something yeah yeah i think i've seen it like in either like like hellraiser or like some kind of one of those like very like um gory horror films where somebody puts something on their face or their head and then like an elder god to your point like comes out and i can't remember which movie this is in but i know i have seen it before mm. right i'm definitely a very big fan of any magical items where you're possessed by a higher power that ultimately kind of consumes you it reminded me a lot of uh the dc character dr fate um mm, yes. yes you are just kind of a vehicle for a power you yeah. don't really understand right yeah uh, it reminds me a lot of Jim Carrey's The Mask. <laughs> and also and Jamie Kennedy's The Mask too. Oh my God, I forgot about that. Both of those things. I yeah. had no well, idea hey, he was in that. Uh, a very different filmography, those two as well. Yeah. When looked at together, you know. Now, now I just picture the guy, the character being like, I have a proposition for you. But then Genesis is like, what? And he's at like the table and he hits the table and then a tongue rolls out of his mouth. And uh, it, it just turns out that I was, and, like, I was like, I can't, and, I'm thinking too fast. So I can't connect all the dots. Who, fuck, who was in, who was in the mask? What was the woman? Cameron Diaz. Uh, Cameron, yes, Cameron, Cameron Diaz, Diaz. Diaz. right. I was like. I, I, I just hope when you put on the mask, it has the same sort of uh, sound effects in the actual movie, <laughs> the mask. So like, ah, oogas and like, mm -hmm. and like wacky sounds and stuff. Whatever like you that. do, don't let the dog get it. That'll be a <laughs> real problem. Brett. I have a question. So, um, you know, as we all know, Healer was injured recently. Uh -huh. uh, recently. This time he showed up <laughs> dressed basically like a mummy mm -hmm. heal or heal himself always uh, with the mummy yeah. why why is he bandaged it's so weird right i it's I an think, aesthetic think, decision and also i think apocalypse makes him dress that way to treat him because he's <laughs> like i only like egypt you know how he is oh you know? that makes a lot of sense yeah. he's like you remind me of a friend of mine mm -hmm. he's got mummy issues they're mummified uh, yeah <laughs> Um, next question is, when is Gorgon going to get his chance in the limelight? This motherfucker has two swords and was sidelined an entire issue. I think it's to uh, Brett's earlier point of when he is one of the five people that dies. That's when mm -hmm. he gets his spotlight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, he's definitely they, going to die. They, they needed easy targets, so that's why we have Gorgon there. And he is dead number one, I'm going to assume. He, he's literally going to get killed off panel, I feel like. Kaylin. <laughs> uh, so he's got two swords, right? He's got Grass Cutter and God Killer. Like, he's going to get one of them. Who gets the other one? I don't know. He gets both. Doesn't he get else? both? 
Well, in the descriptions of them too, one of them basically says one is useful, the other one isn't. So maybe just use the useful <laughs> one, you know? One of them was just a replacement. Blob. Yeah. He just uh, duct tapes them together. <laughs> didn't you think that issue though was gonna end with Gorgon going, whatever my last line was, dad. <laughs> God. Yeah. And then we Hickman writes 14 issues of Gorgon's backstory that doesn't make any fucking sense. Do you remember when we randomly met um, Gorgon's mother in like Wolverine number three and she was immediately killed? Yeah. (laughs) So bad. I wish him the best though. So (laughs) I'm a little bit slow. I have a question. Um, At this kind of meeting that uh, Apocalypse and his kids have with uh, these little demon guys... I didn't realize until now that in the background you can see a Krakoa and- Oh, um, yeah, I love that. I, I think that's the first time we've seen Araka, right? Oh, yeah, wow. yeah. As a, as a tree, do you think, uh, I, I'm guessing we'll see Araka by the end, but do you think it shares a similar personality to Krakoa? Like, what do you guess I think it'd be like? I think he makes a lot of wisecracks. He's like, you know, the funny one. Because yeah. like Krakoa is kind of like taciturn and very like you know morose. No, I I from when I saw that panel, it actually gave me a lot of like Dark Crystal vibes, um, of like you know nature and like this personification of nature. Uh, but I really did love that scene. And when you saw Apocalypse with with Genesis and the four kids, I got almost like a Quiet Council, like a proto Quiet Council feel from that when the parlay was happening from the demons of the men. Um, I guess I, one more thing I will say, uh, just adding to that, like I, I did like that we kind of saw that they were semi-successful, like Apocalypse and his forces, um, and then it later on, like they they started like um, they started uh, like losing to to the demons of Amen. But do we know exactly what the deal was from Genesis? Because I read it like four or five times, and I was like, I think I missed a page, and I'm like. No, I, maybe maybe it wasn't explicitly mentioned. Brett? That has been, I think, the source of my confusion and inability to kind of disconnect with the uh, Akaro backstory. I'm very interested in it, but it's not clicking for me. And I think that piece is missing. I always wondered, wait, why are they fighting for Arako, but they were bested by Arako? I didn't understand where allegiances lied, and I think that's why I don't understand what that offer. I didn't know there was one. Well, I was very confused. I know I mentioned how confused I was when they were talking about White Sword and his 100 people, and I was like, how many people are against who? Yeah. This was the the um, pre-X-Men one, and I was, like, bewilderedly confused and had to read it, like, three times to try to get it, and that's why I was like, oh, shit, there's a million people fighting each other by the end? Yeah. And also that Spartans moment where they're like, a hundred of our fittest soldiers have must go through. I was like, what is, what is do we meet all of them? Are they in a sort of, like, it, it this felt very Spartan. is Krakoa. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it sends 200. Like, your second best soldiers need to be pretty good, right? <laughs> How about yeah. five? Yeah. Send 500. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got them. Big discrepancy yeah. between number 100 and number 101. <laughs> no contest between the two. <laughs> Just, just diminishing returns. There's no ROI on the extra hundred silver. <laughs> um, no, I, I do find that lingering piece of white sword or whatever the fuck, where it's like, there's that one guy with a bunch of people 
just sitting around doing something. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wish it would be a little bit more explained. I'm still into the mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, but a little, a uh, little bit of like either or. Would you, sixty-five hundred <laughs> years ago, I think it was. Good God. Could you say 69? Yes. 6,900 years ago, uh, (laughs) while the world was slowing itself, would you go with Genesis to Araco, or are you too fucking weak and you'd stay behind with Apocalypse? Brent. If if daddy says stay behind, then I stay behind. Mm. Uh (laughs) It, It seems like a lot of work doing all that and i'm doing fine here is what i think personally and like if i have to switch teams to win i'll do it i'll be an isca i feel like you know what i mean <laughs> like earth did i want to be on the winning side the end so you're saying you would have sex with a girl i mean okay let's come back to me i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I i'll go and answer for all of you none of you would make it in iraq <laughs> oh you're so correct <laughs> Caleb. I would actually go to Iraqo, but I'd be the first one to die. I'm like the first red shirt. They're like, I have my like non-heroic off-panel death. It's like, we hardly knew ye. Well, you got killed because you were talking about policy reform, though. Or something. (laughs) (laughs) That tracks. Yep. Uh, My favorite is they would just be like, I told you not to bring 101 soldiers, you fucking (laughs) idiot. Um, any other big moments or things that are uh, really sticking out to you all this week? Hi, Brent. Brett. I loved, I really did love the moment of Betsy jumping out the dungeon window, the tower window and landing on a giant griffin that her mad king brother <laughs> brought by. I don't know, I just liked it. I'm digging Jamie a lot, mm. saying things like that's a right cracking cape. You know, like rescuing yeah. sisters with griffins. Uh, that moment was that moment really, really got. He's me. hot. Yeah, he's hot. Yeah, and the and the the uh, uh, panel of her jumping out the window was gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. It's gorgeous. It was gorgeous yeah. panel. You don't see comic book panels like that ever. It's true. Yeah. Jamie Lynn. Um, speaking of Jamie, I love a little bit of continuity of him having Sinister's cape at the very beginning. Mm. How fucking great was that? That made me Love so it. happy. Uh-huh. Any other, uh, let's kind of, I think, Brett, you actually got to our, our final segment, which was Shining Sword Moments of the Week. So. Oh, I thought that's what that was that said. There you go. Hey. It was hey. synonymous. You can have two. You get two now. You get two So synonymous. So my answer is, when I saw <clears throat> Betsy jump out of that window in the tower and <laughs> I don't know. I just love knowing that Isco is Genesis's sister and Genesis. Yes. Like, and then her sister Isco was like, hey, what up? But like, I'm switching sides, bitch. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I like her. Well, and I love that she was the maker of the scarab. That was like a cool little detail yes. that, he, that he got it as a result of the wedding. Real quick, remember that panel where Iska, or I don't know, maybe it was like a promo art where like Iska's like sitting back and she's got like her scotch like dangling over her knee and she's just chilling. I'm like, can I hang out with you? Like yeah, this energy, I like her. She's totally gonna make like every X book rotation. She'll be an X Force to start. They'll find a reason to put her in new <laughs> to train people. 
they'll put her in Excalibur because somehow she discovered magic. Like they're not let like I the the sort of fandom response to Iska is the, like it's pretty amazing and I I love it because I I really hope she delivers because she just she's, <laughs> she's like a fucking idiot and everyone yeah, hates yeah. her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ryan, my my shining sword moment uh, this week was when Magneto being an Omega level mutant that control metal to no endless power still makes Lorna restrain <laughs> apocalypse. <laughs> and I was like, you could just, he's like, I'll help. Like, I was like, that is some shitty parenting. Mm-hmm. Add that to the list of a million fucking. No, things. no, no, no. It's like, you can teach a person to fish or however mm-hmm. the, you know, saying goes. And he's but teaching not her. Finish the saying. <laughs> It's uh, I can either give him a fish or teach him how to fish. You choose. Mm. That's the thing, right? <laughs> no, no. Yeah, yeah you po- you're pointing a gun at their head, though. <laughs> yeah, fish, motherfucker. Uh, Brent, what was yours? I think it's the appearance of Captain Avalon, who, you know, represents the power of Avalon and also the oh. state of Maryland. Um, what a costume. Uh, terrible colors. Yeah. <laughs> patterns. <laughs> It, it's a very forgettable, like '80s villain costume. But you're like, oh, Kalen. So my shining moment is actually bigger than these two issues, and I'm probably now jinxing us. But I am very impressed that this crossover hasn't missed a week. Every issue is coming out when it's supposed to be coming out. The writing has been good to great, and the art has been mostly spectacular. And I'm like. This is a Marvel crossover. They always fuck up. And mm-hmm. we're halfway through and they haven't fucked up yet. And I'm like, you know, cheers to you, Jordan White. Cheers to you. They had like five months of just sitting in their houses to yes. get this done. <laughs> that is it also true. Doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't matter. They still, they'd still fuck No, up. that does Charles, matter. That's what they did. And, they, and they've done it right so far. Uh, they still right. have that typo though. Like, do we really think the Starlight Sword came from Galador? <laughs> oh, or was that, that a template error yeah, yeah right oh. i did notice that and i was like what the fuck that doesn't make any sense that's yeah. really maybe, interesting maybe it does I mean, maybe i don't know uh clark did you have a shining moment of the week for the two books you can't seem to stop complaining yeah. about? i no, i was weirdly complaining and then when everyone was bullshitting on it then i started not complaining and i was like no ryan you're wrong and i was like wait why am i saying that anyways my <laughs> shining shy shining star moment whatever the fuck shining whatever moment sword moment is when um captain britain um elizabeth braddock pops in and right as saturnine and brian braddock are like fake making out getting it on and saturnine just kicks him in the chest and like knocks him away it's like a tiny little nothing you barely i was like where is her leg going and it was right then and i was like she would not do that she would she would immediately like continue to glom on him because fuck betsy who gives a shit but that was my shining moment because i do like saturnine a lot i love it i i'll pick up on that and i do think that uh as much as i enjoy the apocalypse history seeing a lot of topless jamie and then also lots of saturnine was my shining moment of the week uh, I think they're both, everyone loves a good bitchy character or like when you're more powerful, like a Dionysus type. So it's like, I just feel like they fit archetypes really well and they're, they're supremely well-written. Uh, even if, yeah, Saturnine sometimes is just a template copy of Emma Frost in certain regards, 
to your to your point, Brett, I just picture that there'll be a typo once where she's like, Charles, what about the kids? I gotta protect my kids. <laughs> Here's the difference between Saturnine and Emma. When Saturnine walked in and saw Psylocke ass down in that bush and turned to Brian and was like, Brian, yeah. Brian what is your sister doing in that bush? <laughs> Emma would never respond to that. Emma yeah. would say something like, well, that's a way to water the plants. Or, you know, yeah. like, like that, that's the difference between Saturnine and Emma right there. Yeah, she's quippier. Not like, get out of the roses or whatever she said. It's that extra Downton Abbey flair. <laughs> well, Saturnine showed up like 10 years before Emma Frost ever did. So may, is it the other way around? Ooh, no. As I said, nice. she was as no. bitchy as she was in Separate the 70s. Separate entities. No, because... Oh. People always assume Emma's British for like years based on just how she acts. Mm. And in and and in story, they say she has like a slight inflection, like a Madonna inflection. Grant Morrison invented that because it was around the time yeah. that Madonna started speaking with a British. Yeah, well, there you go. See, <laughs> see, much the same. That's continuity right there. <laughs> Reflection. Uh, well, that takes us to the end of today's recap. Next week, we got X of Swords Stasis, number one, which is a one-shot that'll be our kind of inversion point to the halfway of the series. And we've also got special guest Regina from House of X podcast. But she doesn't fucking matter this week. Brett's who's matters. And so Brett, oh. let listeners know where they can find him. Oh, thank uh, you so much you. for this. Um, <laughs> You can find Comic Book Queer's Legacy uh, on um, universehead.com. We're part of that network or uh, uh, anywhere where podcasts are sold. Just look up Comic Book Queer's Legacy. There's a colon in there somewhere. Um, Twitter, Comic Book Queer's. Instagram, Comic Book Queer's. Hardly use that. Podcasting is a, not a visual medium. So <laughs> what am I doing on Instagram? Twitter. Awesome. Uh, th thank you so much for doing all your acting at the beginning part of your podcast too. Thank you. We just dropped uh, an episode where we reenacted the um, sinister uh, Quiet Council scene from Hellions. Uh, Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Evil yeah. Jepson loves doing that sinister, and so I got to play every <laughs> other character. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did you both play sinister though? Like when he does the Rochambeau? No, no. The, our deal is I'm Emma. He's yeah. sinister. Got it. You know, okay, we, that's a pretty we did good... shows in the like late 2000, like 2007, 2008, where we would host as Dazzler and oh. Emma. And oh, so I, I staked my claim fucking years ago. All right. Great. Uh, Brent, where can everybody find us? So <laughs> you can check out our regular issue, which is released every Monday morning. And there you can hear the increasingly popular Clark's Cursed Games. Plus, check <laughs> is that out what we call it? I don't call it that. No, no. Uh, yeah, but I, I'm not describing it. I'm saying that <laughs> I'm not saying that's what they're called. Brent, where else can we find us? Yeah, you can check out the Krakoan Morning Talk Show, Vicky and Kiana Talking Swords, every Tuesday on Instagram. And you can find our podcast on iTunes, Spotify. We're on Instagram at Homeless Superior Podcast. Twitter at Homo Superior X and uh, in your hearts and in your minds and on your blankets. Um, so thanks. For listening. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, Brett. We love you, Regina, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.